Hello and welcome to Expat of the Day, a sports podcast down under. We are proudly sponsored by Gate Roads, Australia's biggest independent brewery. Their beers include the refreshing lager Pipe Dreams, a mid-strength XPA sidetrack and my personal favourite, Single Fin, which is perfect for a summer's day. I can vouch that there are many bars, pubs and bottle shops around Sydney, but also around Australia. They are all very sessionable drops, so please make sure you get stuck in. Hello and welcome to Expat of the Day. A bit better quality this week. And we apologise about the sound last week. We had a few issues, didn't we, Skip? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, Not ideal. Yeah. That's what, that's what happens when you go big time and get a podcast studio, in it? <laughs> it all, goes, all goes to shit, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were there, Ronnie, maybe you'd have put the headphones on to listen. So, so what actually happened was... When we arrived in the studio, I put the headphones on and we spoke. And there was a distortion on the voice, like someone, you know, like those voices where someone's taking someone hostage and they're like, get me the helicopter and $10,000. So it was that. I don't know voice. what films you've been watching. But... <laughs> Step away from the vehicle. That's what sort of, sort of sounds. And we were like, we got the giggles because we were speaking into it, me and Macher. And we were laughing our heads off. So we had to call up reception to get them to come and fix the issue because we're playing with the little, you know, the digital thing that was there. We couldn't figure out how to turn it off. So the woman comes up and even she's looking really puzzled. And she started to laugh as well because we're all listening to the, us speaking this. We'll have to do a five-minute record and find out how, how to turn it on. Um, and then we must have got a bit confused because when she found out how to turn it back on to normal, I think we just turned the whole thing off and turned it back on again. And then we didn't put the headphones on. We just cracked on because we were so happy that it sounded normal and we left them off. So I don't think our microphones were on. <laughs> it was a disaster. But I felt like I had to just leave it up because Ross was here. And we'll do well, mate, your, your, your voice sounds a bit croaky today, mate. Is there yeah. a problem with your headphones there? Or what, what's no, going I, on? Think, I think it's... Um, I had a week got a Lodge booze. Nugget in there somewhere. <laughs> so... <laughs> I had a week off the booth. A funny story last Friday, um, which is after last Thursday's shenanigans after we did the podcast. Um, we had, a, we had a, a good little day there with, with Ross. So I had a couple of tradies coming in. So I had a Sparky. So see behind me there, I'm obviously in the new house. So see that fan above the stove. Yeah. So we've got an induction stove in the middle of that little island there. And that fan was really low. So I was banging my head on it. So the previous owners must have been like midgets or something. So it's priority to get this sorted. So I put it on Airtasket, you know, the ones who sponsor the podcast. Yeah. All right. I need this sort and took a photo of it. So this Irish guy got in touch. His name was Ender. So he comes around last week about half eight in the morning. Says, yeah. And he says, listen, mate, I like to be thorough. I'm in someone's house. And I said, yeah, mate, that's fine. I'm just going to be on here. You're going to hear me making a few phone calls. He's like, yeah, mate, no problem. Just crack on. So I thought it'll be a few hours. 12 o'clock. He's still here. And I'm thinking, I don't mind. He's being very thorough. Next thing. Very thorough. Yeah. I heard heard a bit of a smash. He's having a shower. (laughs) (laughs) And I turn around and he goes, Neil, I'm so sorry, but I've cracked 
your induction stove. So obviously he's been working on the island and he must have just put his foot on it and he's cracked it. And he goes, I'm so, so sorry. And he just couldn't be more apologetic. And he said, mate, I'm going to go and get you a new one. And I'm like, and I'm looking at it thinking, what other outcome is there apart from this guy has to go and get me a new one? Like, I know I'm paying you for this job, but that's going to yeah. be a lot more expensive than what I'm paying you. So yeah. this guy, this really nice Irish guy, who was telling me that he was sick of working for himself and he was going to start working for someone else the next week. And this was his last job working for himself. <laughs> and then he said, where's the nearest good guys? Or like um, Harvey Norman. I said, oh, there's a good guys at Chatswood. But I said, mate, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at these online. They're quite expensive. And he goes, mate, don't worry. I'm not going to get you a shit one. Going to make sure it's a decent one. And, and I was like, oh, but I, I didn't know what else to say. I'm like, yeah. Mate, he's like, mate, when your wife comes home and your kids, you're going to be able to cook. I'm not leaving yet. So we ended up driving to Chatswood, which is about half an hour at least away, buying a new induction stove, coming back, fitting that for me. And then he did some of the jobs for me downstairs, got rid of some wires. He was here till like four yeah. o'clock. Is he going out? Is he friends with the gardener now? <laughs> <laughs> I just give him an extra hundred dollars on top of the uh, but he was way. So out what you got a brand new induction? I got a brand new induction stove and he and he, I said, where do you live? And he said, Walleye Creek, which is like about an is. hour and a half away from the Northern oh, Beaches. What a day. Oh. <laughs> He's got one of gone over to his wife and said, but make that as an, ex- that as an example of how a tradie should be. Because I don't think many people would have done that. I don't know what no, other options no. there are, but for him to no. go and buy me one brand new and come back, he left his tools here. I was like, mate, it's all good. And then he sent me a message in the night and said, I'm so sorry. I was like, mate, I've got a brand new induction stove. Yes. Don't worry about it. Thank you so much. I gave him an extra few quid. So I didn't know. I didn't know what else mate, to do. If that, if that don't want to be the best referral for, for someone's I know. work ever. Yeah. I know. So if anyone needs a spark, <laughs> get in touch with me. And <laughs> end is your man. <laughs> wow. So what have you been up to, Ronnie? Anyway, I bet nothing because extravagances. Well, mate, I um like obviously I didn't make the podcast last week. That was disappointing. Selling my car. I'm 30 grand up. That's 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 good. I had a very I had a guy come round to, to look at it yesterday, and I'd already had someone come round and offered me 29 for it. And um it was so funny because he, he sort of had a look at it, and there's a couple of little scratches on it, but not much. And then he was like, Yeah, I've spoken to the people like 20, 20, we're gonna offer you 28 and a half. And I said, no, mate, no, no, no. But he, but he come with, come at me with a real negotiating tactic. And yeah. I said, look, mate, if you offer me thirty today, you can take it. I, look, I've done my research. I'm not an expert, but I've done my research. I know what you can get for it. Um, give me thirty and go. And he went away and come. And then Ross come down. He must have thought that Ross was my uh, my backup. Oh, it, it scared him. It scared him because then he then he offered me the thirty, and then that was all right. And uh, yeah, so mate, all all done. But that was that was a shame that I had to miss that. But I've obviously been busy with work as well, so. Um, it done me a favour actually missing that last week, um, but it was a shame because I would have liked to have come in. But now, given the um, the problems that you had, I would have felt really down if you'd have done it because I could tell it was a really good post. You know, I was laughing at it, but um, obviously the sound was crap. So I'd have, we've done it before where the sounds come out crap, and we thought, oh, we've just done a really good put. It's hard to do it again after you've yeah, done one. Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> mate, I get the. Uh, I, I get your feelings on that. But apart from that, mate, nothing, just the ups and downs of being a Spurs fan, um, the week in a, uh, being a Spurs fan. That's that's it, really. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to focus a bit on Spurs, as usual, and, and, and Everton today, of course. And yep. Skipper, how is the dry march going along, Skip? Not too bad, mate, yeah. It's Looks a bit happy, boring. doesn't he? Yeah, it's a bit boring, <laughs> isn't it? All right. 
I'm, um, I'm looking forward to next week. I've got uh, we've got a couple of things on next week, haven't we? We've got Ronnie's citizenship next Wednesday, that's right? Yeah, that's coming and, up. Uh, and St Paddy's Day, so I'm going to give myself a bit of re- reprieve for two days next week, and then good again for the rest of the month. So, but yeah, it's a bit dull in it. Yeah, especially now your missus. Now your missus is going on holiday tonight for a week as well. It's perfect timing to just. I know. And, uh, what are you doing, Skip? So, so not quite so dry, March, is, is basically what you're doing. But surely you knew that she was going away. What why, What are you going to do for a week on your own? Mate, the catalyst for this was trying on about 15 shirts two weeks ago and not being able to fit into any of them. So I, need, <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a stone off. That's the, uh, that's the top and bottom of it. So, yeah, better late than never, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, how much weight have you lost so far, Skip? Uh, about two kilos in a week and a half. So not too oh, bad. Pretty good. Well done. Right. Well done. Yeah. I'm sure you'll sure you'll put all that back on on St. Patrick's Day next week anyway. Oh yeah, yeah mate. Well. I'll know what goes right. on on that day and he definitely will. Yeah, Are you coming for the breakfast, Skips? Uh potentially. I think it's booked out. <laughs> I think it's booked out, but potentially if I think there's uh I don't know if Danny can make it. I was messaging Rory last night, so if Danny can't go, then I'll, I'll grab his spot. If not, then I'll, I'll just meet you boys after. Well, I tried to get extra tickets and, um, yeah, they said they were all sold out. So it'll be one of those where we lean yeah. on we lean on our connections within the pub um, mm-hmm. to see if they can help us get go. some some stragglers in. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But either way, I'll, I'll probably be there for late morning at worst if I don't make the breakfast. So oh, for lunch. For lunch then. For lunch then, yeah. <laughs> You just gotta, you just gotta get there at the right time to not have to queue for an hour, haven't you? That's the, that's the yeah. thing. Cause that that place is mad in it on yeah. Paddy's Day. So, we'll looking forward to it. Look at that next week. Yeah, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll get a um, another podcast in live. Maybe we could maybe do one before it. That might yeah. not be a bad idea. One, I'll maybe book that studio. Anyhow, um, onto the football. Um, yesterday, Ronnie, I could sense the fume after yeah. the lacklustre performance. Mate, I understand that you had two shots on target in 90 minutes exactly and i think when... if you i think if you you take the first leg as well i think there weren't you know i think we only had about four or five shots over the two legs so is this conti out now is it ron i think it is yeah i i think he's going as well um the standard of football is terrible as i've as i've clearly said on this many a time i think what he done last season was fantastic but this season you just can't get away from the fact that he's not improved the team you can't you can't after two years, I, I don't think. You, you Surely an elite manager has to have a team in place. You can't keep on saying we're growing as a team. Two years, you know. I mean, I know, I know it's not quite two years, but that's that, that that's a long time. After two years, an elite manager who's been given money, surely you've got to be in a position where he's saying, you know, it's just a bad result. You know, we'll bounce back next week. And not that we're still growing, you know. And that's the disappointing thing. And I, I just think if you if you take a look at how he's doing his interviews, what he's looking like, um, I think that he'll it, I don't, look. They'll keep him till the end of the season because I doubt that they'll probably want to spend anything um, or have to pay anything out. I'm sure Conte might have something in his contract where he's paid out something. So Spurs will just wait till the end of the season now and, and act. Um, but the, just going into the performance, mate. Like like I just said, four or five shots over the two games. On target. I don't think we had a worthwhile chance until about 80 odd minutes into the game. Conte's in game management is that was the most worrying thing about it. Obviously, he likes to play free at the back, but that game yesterday, 
a disappointing thing. We're 1-0 down. We're going into the second leg at home. Same thing as what Chelsea had done. And you just think, right, this is all in our ball court here to really, really go at Milan. And we didn't. The first half was exactly the same as Spurs of all season played. You know, really, really slow, really languid. When you'd think that we would come out the blocks and we'd really go after Milan because they're not a great team. I know Conte come out and said that they won the league last year, but that's irrelevant. Players on the pitch, we we should be taking that game to them. And um, and then comes to half time, you think to yourself, right, change it to four at the back, put three in midfield. Let's have someone in that hole so Kane don't need to be stepping into it. Kane can be further up the pitch, and he didn't do it. And then his changes in the second half, obviously the sending off was was reckless and it was terrible from Romero. I mean, I, I can't get it through my head how a professional player it dives in. I mean, when did he get sent off? The 70th minute, something around there? Did you see, where he, did, did you see where he made the tackle? Yeah. The tackle was about five yards into our own half. Yeah. There's no need. There's no, no need. He's not going anywhere, that player. He was trying to push the ball down the line to run. Romero would have Romero would have had him if he had him in a in yeah. a foot race. So he didn't need to make that decision. So it was terrible, a terrible decision from a what you'd call an elite defender to make. Very brash. And you think to yourself, right, okay. And then Spurs actually played fairly well in the second half. But what he'd done before Romero come off, he brought on another right wing back. He moved Emerson Royal over to be a left wing back, took Perisic off. And you think, right, we've got two right wing backs on the pitch now. We, we don't need, we didn't need that. We didn't need that for balance. We needed to take a defender off and plug it into the midfield. Horro actually come on and played quite well, to be quite honest, which was probably one of the only highlights out of that game. But what you're thinking is, why could why can he not see that? Why can every amateur look at that, every pundit, and say that's what Tottenham needed to do? And then when he does act in the, in the second half, he, he, Romero's obviously been sent off. We've now got two wingbacks on. We're, we're down a, a defender. He then brings on, he brings off Kulishevsky at 82 minutes or 80th minute and brings on Sanchez. We need to win the game. It's nil-nil. That's just what crazy. Does, what does it That's matter just... at nil-nil if we lose now? One-nil. We're down to 10 men. Right, we've we've gone for it. We've lost the game. But to bring on a centre, a centre, at least bring on another attacking player. At least bring on another two attacking players. Let's go for it. Let's see if we can we can get a goal. But mate, that that is just baffling management to me. Why why on earth do you bring on a centre half 82 minutes into the game and take off one of our attacking options? Just bizarre. Did he get asked about that? Um, in his press I don't conference. know. I haven't seen anything pop up about it. It was kind of, it was kind of, uh, kind of shaded in the what you know, because obviously he knew that there was going to be a lot of questions about his job and things like mm. that and the performance. Mm. And you know, I, I, look, I, he, he he said, you know, this is a disappointment, disappointing result, you know, but they won the league last year. They're a better team than what people think. And I just thought, nah, not from what I was seeing. They were very organised, but they were organised because they set out to obviously not give much away to Spurs, but we just didn't give it. We, we didn't start playing to the second half again, which is a theme of, of Tottenham's play. But um, yeah, mate, there were some poor performances there yesterday. And you just, you know, listening to talk sport today, Jamie O'Hara or yesterday, he was saying that it just looks like being a footballer and being in those environments, it looks like the players are just not buying it. it they look like they've down tools or if they look like they've, you know, the Conte era is done because they, they know that it'll be gone at the end of the year uh, and it will just be all for the new manager. Um, well, but very, yeah, very we, disappointing. No, nah, well, Richarlison's come out and had a whinge that he's not been playing enough, hasn't he? So, yeah. you know, if if it was a happy camp or if he was worried about the repercussions, he wouldn't have come out and said that publicly, yeah. would he? 
Well, look, I, I just think if I was him, uh, look, I've seen what he said today. I don't think there's anything wrong with coming out and, you know, saying bad performance. But, you know, come on, mate, you ain't scored a league goal, yeah? No, uh, you, you, you're, you know, you're not in a position of power. You know, you're, you're not, he's only in the team because Son's not been playing well all year. But against Milan, would you play Richarlison over, over Son just because we won the last two games? He's forgetting the game that we did. You know, we, we obviously lost against Sheffield United. But you know, you you think to yourself, mm-hmm. would you would you start him? I wouldn't, even though Son's not playing very well. I'd still I'd still started Son and brought Richarlison on. You know, but um, you know, I can see yeah. his point that he's disappointed with it. But coming, you've not scored a goal season. I don't think he's. I think he's only even got two assists, Neil. You know, so he's not even creating. I'm not. I'm not. I, I can't. I'm not a big fan of his. I don't think he links the play very well. Tries flicks round the corner. All he does is he spends. The 15 minutes that he comes on for are on the pitch rolling around. And you think, you're nil-nil. We don't need someone rolling around now. Roll around when we're at least one nil up or two nil up when you want to waste some time. Don't do it when we're, you know, we're trying to get a goal. But he does. But um, I can say, I can feel, I, you know, I understand he's disappointed, but I, I still don't think he's done anything enough to be warranting a, a starting line, a starting place in that lineup. He doesn't keep all no, the Go back to what I said at the start of the year, like, He's gone to a club where the positions that he plays in, Son's better than him, Kane's better than him, Kulisevsky's better than him. It's a lot of money for Tottenham to spend sixty million on someone that's not a guaranteed starter. Mm. But if um, you're a, if you're Richarlison, you're you're probably thinking you back yourself, right? Ball yeah. for fifty mil, yeah. going to go to a better team. They're going to create more chances. I'm going to get more chances in front of goal. Yeah. You know, and and he can't even say that he's not had chances to score. He's had chances mm-hmm. to score, and yeah. he's not taken his chances. Um, yeah, well, that's so it. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 not a good time. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how we bounce back the, the weekend because we have got a, a sort of an easier run of games coming up, or what you class as easier. We're away to Southampton. Uh, we are at home to Forest, and then away to Southampton. Um, and you f- you look at them now, and you think, well, Southampton have just had a good result, and Forest looked tough to beat. So you know, will Spurs struggle? And, and historically under this regime we we struggle against the crapper sides um you know we, we seem to play better against the better teams and crap against the the smaller teams so yeah not 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 good mate and I, I do think he'll be out I don't know what you what you think Neil from what you've seen I don't know if you watched the game or you watched the highlights or even Conte's uh uh interview but I mean what what's your thoughts on Conte and where you see it so just picking up on that what Skip just said about for Tottenham to have a 50, 60 million, whatever you want to call it, substitute. Is that plausible? Now, <clears throat> but we thought at the time that it was a bit of a game changer for Tottenham because we thought, okay, now Conte's gone, well, I can't just have three forwards. I need I need four. And if one of them's injured, we need a quality replacement to come in. Now, whether that quality replacement should have been Richarlison is another story. Probably not by what we're seeing because he's just technically not good enough. I don't think at a top level for the team that has, a, has the ball a lot, he just doesn't keep hold of it enough. Yeah. And um, he's a bit scatty, isn't he? Let's face it. And he'd um, probably get away with it with Brazil, Neil, because, you know, like they've got the, a really good team, create a lot. And then he just, he's there to put it in or prod it in. Do you know what I mean? The, the, um, the thing with, the thing with Brazil is I, I get this a lot because I'm, I was not his biggest fan. I back him in front of you because you probably, discredit him more than what he, he should probably get and I'm I'm sort of in the middle with him um, he got a lot of adulation from Everton fans because Everton fans just love a bit of a cheerleader 
and a mm. fist pumper and someone who's a bit of a wind up. And he done his and he done his he job in the wind up to the end of the season, didn't he? He came yeah. in and he and he and he helped you stay up. And he scored some big goals, but his general overall play isn't that good. You know, he's never going to play for a top top side with all respect to the Tottenham. Well, he can't even get in your team, can he? No, exactly. So. <laughs> And the Brazil thing, you've got to remember when he's scoring goals for Brazil, is one, he plays in, he plays centre-forward in the box. He's almost um, Harry Kane's position, although Harry Kane comes deeper. He's never going to replace Harry Kane. And as it transpires throughout his career, his best position is probably as a number nine out and out forward. And Brazil play against most international games, mate. Yeah. And against teams outside the top 20, top 30 in the world, playing against bloody crap sides most of the time. And it's different when you're playing in the yeah, Premier League no, I agree. against good sides all the time. So that argument doesn't stand up for me. Um, but I'm just looking at Conte's record, mate. I know you want to ask about Conte. Obviously, Romero was bought for, for 50 million. I think generally you've been quite happy with him. Yeah, oh, um, mate, he's he's been he's yeah. been he's been good. He's had moments. Um he's he's definitely the 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 standout in that defense. Um, yeah. But it seems to me over the last maybe six months that maybe just being at Tottenham and the ups and downs that come with a club. That maybe that's starting to frustrate him, you know. Maybe that maybe that's starting to frustrate him, and he just needs to work on, you know, his discipline during the game because yeah. he got booked in the first ten minutes with a really again another like another rash foul towards the halfway line. Something you as a defender you really don't need to jump in. I think I was watching it on BT Sport and the, whoever it was, Owen Hargreaves, someone like that, was saying he was using Rio Ferdinand as a reference point and saying he would never do that. You know that that is a challenge that Rio would never even engage in. There, you don't engage in those kind of challenges unless you're completely exposed behind. And you, if you don't make that challenge, you're going to get caught out. You know you're overrun. As a defender, you do not you do not do that on the halfway line or towards the halfway line. You might want to do it around your own box if you if you have to, but you really don't just you don't commit yourself to those types of tackles in the first fifteen minutes when you've now got to go eighty minutes or, or seventy minutes without getting a book in. And that, as soon as he done it, my dad messaged me straight away. Going to be a red card here today, you know. And he weren't clearly just talking about Romero because Spurs got the ref was a bit very gung ho with yellows yesterday and. Um, Spurs had maybe three players booked before the first 15 minutes. And my dad went, no, there'll be a sending off here. You know, you could see it mm. coming. So, and, and then again, that's another sign of bad management from Conte. Because like I said, we should have gone to four at the back. He should look at that scenario and go, maybe we take Romero off here. You know, is he going to last the game? Because we this game's primed for playing four at the back and putting three in midfield. Mm. Does he ever go four at the back, Ron? He's done it a couple of times and he's he's done it, but he just doesn't do it enough, mate, because we always get overrun in the midfield. There's always a massive hole between Kane and the midfield. And if we play against a, an opposition that are playing free in the midfield that are very good on the ball, we always struggle. Weirdly enough, we didn't struggle against City. That was one of our better games. But um, yeah, mate, and, and it's clear to see for everyone that he's just, you know, he's just very strict about the style that he wants to play in, but it's not mm -hmm. working. And you can tell it's not working because you watch how Spurs press the ball. We get caught out all the time when we start to press. So we're obviously not doing it correctly. People are not doing it correctly because they go into fullbacks, they knock it around the corner and we get found out. But other teams seem to be able to press us. So what what, what is going wrong? That's not obviously my job to say that, but I just think the players we've got, we're our, our strength is our attacking play. It's our attacking players. So by taking an taking a defender away and putting a midfielder on that that enables us to attack better. 
it doesn't enable us to defend any better, but it enables us to defend better. And it just means that we just take away a defender. I personally don't think we'd let in any more goals if we had four in the back if we, than we do with, with five. And um, Basuma, mate, <clears throat> bought him from Brighton. I think everyone was generally happy with, with that signing at the time. Yep, again, is, I think he's injured at the moment. He's just come back from injury. What's he been like yeah. overall? Though? Mate, he's been... Look, it'd be hard to say that he's been... That you could say to him that he's been brilliant because he just hasn't played enough. I don't think he's had that run of games. And it's a shame because obviously we had Hoiberg injured and Bentacore injured or Bentacore and someone else. And Skip's come in and actually played quite well. And that would have been a perfect moment for him to get that run of games. And I think Basuma's got injured at the same time. So it's, that's bad luck. I don't I don't think he's a bad player, but he's, again, not what Spurs need. Spurs need a midfielder that's going to link the midfield with the attack. And at the moment, without having Bentacore there, we've got no one that can actually do both jobs. And we're in like desperate need of, of a midfielder like James Madison. But there's no point in Spurs signing Madison because if Spurs sign Madison under Conte, he won't, it don't fit into point. our system. So, no. you know, the same thing with Neil, with you, with Everton, you know, you're talking about Lampard signing players that don't fit into how you play, you know, like McNeil's been spoken about a lot. You know, you don't play with wingers, well, you do now, but at the time you didn't. So it's a, it's a worthless signing really at the time. And that would be the same if we signed a Madison. Until we get a manager in that's going to play four at the back, no need. So that's why I think, you know, I had a good think about Rodgers today as well. And I thought maybe maybe Spurs might go for Rodgers and then get Madison as well. So but, so I think that's what I was going to come on to next. So and something you said to me when we spoke on the phone yesterday, Ron, was you, you said to me, I just don't think Conti is a very good manager. Now, not many people would say that, but obviously mm. you, you, watch, you watch every game. And is yeah. that... Is that your thinking? Well, look, I think, that, I, I think yeah, I'm disappointed with with what he's done this season. I know he's been ill, but I, I think most Spurs fans would would side with me with how Spurs play and the progress that's been under Conte. And to get fourth last season, which was a great season because we were knocking on the door, that tied us teed us up nice for this season. We've spent money, we've given him money. All right, we've not we've not um, strengthened in the areas that we needed to, which was centre half was definitely one of them, but. Conte's an elite manager. You know, I say this all the time. He's thought of as an elite manager. An elite manager surely knows that when he steps into a football club, it's just not going to be 10 players out and 10 players in. Doesn't happen whatever club you're at, you know, apart from Nottingham Forest, I guess. But that just doesn't happen. You've got to get people off the books and it just don't, the transition, it takes time to do that. And I just don't think he's made the players that he's got any better. You know, I don't think he's, he's, he's improved them good enough. And he's a defensive, pragmatic manager. So you'd think him coming into the club, people like Dyer, people like Davies, people like Romero, Sanchez, he would improve them defensively. And he's not done that. And um, yeah, I, I just think he's that, along with his in-game management, which is really suspect. I don't think, I, I think he's been found out a little bit that he needs money. He needs to go into these clubs like Juventus and Chelsea, who have either won the league or have won the league the season before or at some period in time before he's turned up. And that's not what it is with Spurs. So I think that it will be very interesting to see where he goes next and how he does it. I, I would guarantee he's going back to Italy. He'll go back to Italy. He'll go back to a nice safe club in Italy that he knows that he can work with, not one that's not as safe as Spurs is. Mm. It, okay. wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he went back to Chelsea, mate, to be honest. Could do. 
Yeah, it could yeah. do. But I'll tell you what, he won't be going back to Chelsea the way he found them last time. No. That's no. for sure. He'll be no, no. going back to a club that really needs to be transformed. And then you look at him and go, well, would he even be good at Chelsea? Because Chelsea have just signed all of these players. Mm-hmm. Would he come in and work with all of those players or would he want some of them gone and new ones in? So that's what well, Chelsea would have to be very, very careful of because I think with Potter, they've got a hand puppet a little bit. Well, I don't well, think Conte's, yeah. Conte's not a hand puppet, is he? You know? No, and that's that's what's already been mentioned in the media last week, wasn't it? That Potter's struggling partly because he's got 40 lads on the training ground and he, and he wants 22, 23, 24. So mm. I don't yeah. think it's do, doing him any favours The recruitments, either. The recruitment was good with Kulishevsky and Bentacore. It's yeah. been suspect since then. Mm-hmm. But surely Conte's sitting down with the recruitment team and he's put he's helping them put together targets. You know, I've mentioned yeah. this before. It won't, it won't just be number one target. They would have sat down and agreed on three mm-hmm. or four players in every position that he needs. So yeah. I'm pretty much guessing that Longlet weren't his first choice, but he was probably a choice that was agreed, you know, yeah. as a possibility. So he would have okayed that. He would have said, yeah, this is the type of player I want. If you can't get me A, B and C, you know, that's that's a good fullback person. Um, so yeah. maybe he's got complaints and that he's not getting his first uh, choices. But, you know, th- not everyone gets their first choices. And certainly Spurs no. don't get first choices in every position. No, I, th- I think that's part of the battle. I think it's... it's He's earned the right to go to big clubs with good players, hasn't he? Right? Yeah, so he's, as every he... manager does when they do well. Well, that's it. So he's kind of earned the right to be there. Um, I think that... That's that's the big thing for me. I think where they've failed, they've, they've spent money in areas where they're already strong, like Richarlison. Exactly. That wing back, not wing back, but we we seem to have bought yeah. what three wing backs now. You know, that's it. Yeah, um, but you know, you have to question: is bringing a thirty-four-year-old wing back in in like Perisic fit for purpose in the Premier League? Maybe not. Yeah, but like I had, I had this legs. kind of I had this argument with Brownie, um, yeah. and he you know said, ah, thirty-four. I don't think that's the issue bringing in a 34 year old that can that can fluff our squad. I don't think that's the issue. The issue is they've not, you know, he should it, it, the, the pressure shouldn't be on a 34 year old wing back to come into no, the club. Indeed. You know, that's it's not he's, yeah. he's just come in. He's I thought he was being brought in to shore up those areas and then mm-hmm. to obviously bring on players like maybe Sessegnon and Royal and people like that who could potentially learn off him. I don't think yeah. there's any problem with Spurs signing one of them a season. And having them mm-hmm. for twelve months and bringing in and letting people learn off of them, you yeah, know. And I th- the yeah. issue is the centre halves and the, and centre halves, wing backs, and midfield. There, I mean, and goalkeeper. So pretty much every position on the pitch, apart from our attacking line. So yeah, that's, that's it. Don't sound good, does it? Um, no, that's but, it. But again, you know, like I know I'm going off on all the bad things here. You, we're out of everything now, apart from you know when I say the league, I mean top four spot. We're still fourth in the league. God knows how that is, um, but we're still there. So we've we've now just got that to concentrate on. And it, you know, with the run of games that we've got coming up, it will be a real indicator now to see right because we we need probably two wins just to get going there again. And yeah. Um, yeah, if we win two, then it obviously it looks good for the rest of the end of the season. And um, we've still got Man United and Liverpool, I think, to play. Um, but you know, everyone's got hard games at some point. You know. Um, and um, yeah, so so it'll all just be fighting for that top four spot now, um, which is you know exact. You know, again, if we're looking at it at the beginning of the season, and you said to me with this amount of games to go, Spurs are in fourth, you'd you'd take it, you know, because you'd probably say yeah, that's probably where four to six is probably where we are as a club 
if you're being honest. Mm-hmm. Well, you touched on it there, but with Liverpool's resurgence, um, they're probably favourites for that fourth spot. Yeah. Might be a brave yeah. man to back against them. So Tottenham's position, yeah. I agree. I maybe agree, but... isn't the same as what it was two weeks ago in the league, just because Liverpool mm-hmm. now look like they're getting some form back. Before we go on to Liverpool, I just wanted to ask you, Ronnie, who would you have back there, mate? Who I, I know, I know you're going to say. Yeah. Um, who would you have back and why? Yeah, and look, we, we I guess we'll go into this, but I, I'd just go for Pochettino, mate. I would. I think that the one, the one reason I say this is because I just don't know who's good out there, Neil. I, I, I've, I've had enough of all these people that think they're really good managers and come in and they can't handle it. I'd rather someone with with not the expectations of a Conte. I, like I'd rather, and that's why I think Pochettino is the, the the pick of the bunch for me. I mean, if I didn't go for him, I'd probably be going for someone like Thomas Franks. If I'm being honest, someone who 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 seems to have a really good um, position with his players, uh, I'd go for someone like him. But I know you don't like people going back, and I completely take on board everything you're you're probably going to go on to say. But my reasoning for Pochettino, apart from the fact that I don't think he got given a, a fair crack with money with Spurs, is that I just I look around at all these managers, and no one screams out. You know, this is who you should go for because Spurs are obviously in this at this level now where they can go for some of these elite managers. And to me, if you're not getting if you're not getting Klopp or you're not getting Pep, I think I I don't know who who the others are that I trust to do this. Skip, what do you think? Um, I was listening to Talk Sport this morning and they threw up a few names. Um, Rogers was one of them. Thomas yep. Frank was one. Um, one from left field was Michael Carrick. Oh yeah, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I think if if Bur- especially if Borough don't go up, because I think if Spurs go knocking for Carrick, it'd be tough for him to turn that down. Um, obviously, we've seen Lampard, Gerrard step up to that level, and it hasn't quite gone to plan for them over the last couple of years. But um, he's doing an unbelievable job at Borough. We, you know, I've mentioned him on the pod a couple of times in the last couple of months. Um, you know, if you're going to go in a completely fresh direction and not kind of down the tried and tested route, then I wouldn't mind seeing him get a crack at it. Okay. It's just a really hard one to see who can, because you need a manager that's going to come in and be one yeah. of those top four managers, you know? So, so it's a real balancing act. I think Carrick, yeah. if he'd have done a good solid year, I yeah. think he's still very, very new. Not saying yeah. that he's not going to go on to be a good manager, but no, um, no. you need to see how that transpires before. So I can't yeah. see Spurs going through. Um, okay, so on, on what you said, Ronnie, I don't think that it's ever good to go back. I'm sure there are examples of managers coming back and, and it being a success. We've done it plenty of times with, with Kendall. Um, but I just don't think that any successful corporation or business or anything should when one of the head senior management, whatever you want to call it, leaves, I don't think that they should ever come back, especially with Pochettino, who, whose stock has fallen. Um, he was good for you. And, and I get that he didn't get much money and he wasn't back when he needed to, when he needed to be. But Pochettino now is not the Pochettino seven years ago. And personally as well, like for Michael Carrick is a good example, because if you get Michael Carrick, you're giving someone an opportunity to succeed here's a chance he's probably earned uh, a shot one because of his name of course that matters let's not pretend it doesn't if it was another man and he played for space and and he's going to get a bit of respect but you're going to get someone who's very hungry 
Um, and I know that there are plenty of managers who are young, like a Lampard or a Gerard, who, who haven't succeeded, who are no doubt hungry. But I think Carrick's maybe proven that um, he's got some he's got some skills. And I just think that maybe looking for the next Pochettino would be a better thing than than the Pochettino yeah, maybe. seven I mean, years. That's that's a possibility. And and Thomas Frank, I mean, yeah, he's he's doing such a good job at Brentford. Four games they've lost all season. We'll, we'll touch on Brentford soon, no doubt, because we play them this weekend. But I mean. They're Brentford the are, that they're doing as well on the budget that he's doing that. And Brentford are a football club which is ran probably completely different to Tottenham. Extremely functional, extreme, very efficient. Um, everyone in there, you know, someone leaves, they replace them straight away. Like they, um, mm. their recruitment's brilliant. Um, everyone seems happy. They've got a new stadium. Like it's just a, a very well-run club. And going into Tottenham with different expectations, and you know, Levy's not um, the most loved guy, is he? In, in Tottenham, he's been good for you in certain things, but I just think that it's hard to judge them people yeah. who are at clubs like Graham Potter's a good example now. I mean, it looks like they might have turned the corner just in time to play Everton, but um, <laughs> but it's very difficult. But like when people say to me, it's my pet hate in football because obviously, as an Everton fan, we lose managers a lot. And it's always that, well, who would you get then? Who would you get? Who would you get? And yeah. like, I have to remind people that like, I have a, a recruitment business to run and that I don't scout football managers around Europe and South America. But if I did, like should, someone should be doing at Spurs and Everton and wherever else, yeah. I'd have a bloody list of names for you. And and these people, like where you get the, the Zerbies from, another one obviously at Brighton, um, where you get these people from is just on your network of scouting and they should be looking for people the Premier League is the place to be you get more money than anywhere else it's the most watched it's the most popular like we've got the golden ticket here so I just think it's lazy when people say let's just go and get Pochettino or you know Everton classic let's go and get Sean Dyche and nothing against Sean Dyche but there's not much imagination and and it's no imagination that's probably the wrong word like you need some creative mogul in your in your in your club, you just need the right people doing their jobs. Here's a list of names who are who are succeeding at this level, and we they, we think that they've got the attributes to succeed here. And these are reasons why we spoke to the agent; they might be interested. This type of thing. So just picking names out who who is out there, like even Brendan Rodgers is probably probably going to get another good job at some point. But yeah, I just I just think it's trying to time the managerial appointments at the right time because managers are like players; they have peaks and troughs. Um, and you've got to get a manager at the right time. Go on, Skip. No, I agree. I think um, that that may be the situation with Conte in terms of starting to hit a downward trajectory in his career, right? Um, when he went to Chelsea, it's worth pointing out he inherited Kante and Eden Hazard and people like that. He doesn't have that at Spurs, aside from Kane. He's got one world-class player, right? Um, I think with... Um, Regard to whoever Spurs get as manager, they're going to need to back them properly this time, I think. Um, I know that they've given Conte money to spend, but it's all well and good getting an F1 track and a Beyonce concert and an Anthony Joshua fight and all this kind of stuff to make money and revenue out of. Um, but you can't then go and get your manager's fourth choice centre-half, right? You, you, you've got to go and there's a lot of dead wood in that squad that needs clearing out. And whoever gets that job next is is going to be tasked with that. And the replacements need to be better than Eric Dyer and Davison Sanchez and Ben Davis and whoever else gets shipped out. Um, you know, they need to be 
of the of the caliber that's going to have them challenging year on year. Um, and the at, other and thing the is moment, just um just so, just to go back on what Neil just raised there, he raised the talking about Brighton and Brentford. Yeah. The reasons that those guys can can keep on pushing forward successfully, <coughs> excuse me, is when is when they lose a manager. The next manager that comes in fits into the whole philosophy of what they play, the the club, the football, everything. Nothing changes. So the next person that comes in in line. Now, if you look at Spurs' managerial trajectory, we've had different managers with different playing styles after each other, right? So it's it's all well and good saying, oh, we'll just go out and get one of these managers. But if you've had Conte in there for the last two years, signing players that fit into how he wants to play and what he wants to do, and then you bring in a manager yeah. like someone else that has a completely different style of football, you now need to you need to then start bringing in players that fit into what he wants to do. So, yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, and they're great, the Brentfords, but they, they seem to bring in play- managers that fit in with that because of it's their, that they never change how they want to be playing. They never drastically change to this massive long ball or pragmatic defensive style. They still play to what? comes you know the next manager comes in it's seamless what they need to do I'm not saying that it's still not a hard job because the Zerbi's come in and done it at Brighton he's done very very well but you know they still need to be that, that with Spurs they've changed their way of playing so much that the that the players they've got on their books will they will they fit in with a Rodgers when Rodgers turns up do you know what I mean or is it now again carting loads of players out and getting loads of new ones in it's got to stop at one per part and like you just said with Carrick maybe that's maybe that's a good example of someone coming in and you just say right this is what we're going to do and going forward you stick to that but when you, I think when you're at that level that Spurs are and what I mean is that the next manager they're going for is is going to be an elite manager probably um there's not many of them around so you go to the Contes the Mourinho's and then the next obvious one is probably going to be Tuchel, right? He's the next one that Spurs from an elite level will probably be looking at. But what does he come in and do? You know, so and then if Con if he leaves then Tuchel, then you're you're in the you're in the shit again with who you bring in that's at that level to do it. So yeah, you can go and get a Carrick, you can go and get a Rogers, but how long does it take them to get across their philosophies and what they want to do as a club? And do they do it in time before they get sacked or leave? You know, can they stay successful long enough that they can implement it? Well, I suppose that's the sign of a poorly run football club, yeah, isn't it, Ronnie? Exactly. Because, we, because we did that all the time. We go from one style of manager to another manager. And you're thinking, the same people are picking these managers. Why is, why is one on the complete end, other end of the scale to the other one? Even in, you know, Everton were famous for it when they were interviewing different candidates. I mean, Marcelo Bielsa and Sean Dyche. It's like, what? Have you not chief. decided? Have you not decided what type of manager you want? And then, you know, go go through them accordingly. And it, you you look like you're almost doing that. There's, there are a few similarities between Spurs and Everton. Funnily enough, which is the two clubs we talk about on this podcast. But you're obviously just a lot better than us right now. Um, but yeah, it it, it is going to be interesting to see who you go for in the in the summer, mate. Um, and no doubt. We'll be talking about it all the way through, mate. Well, I just thought we'd touch briefly on Liverpool. We'll, we'll talk mostly about them next week. But uh, Rizier just made 7 0 against Man United. Wow, mate. I, I got up and watched the Everton game. Well, I watched I watched quite a bit of the Everton game live, actually. It was another story. I was awake in the middle of the night, um, throwing up. But um, I was sick. And I ended up watching the Everton game, which made me even sicker. But. <laughs> 
I watched the Liverpool Man United game. I don't know when it's going in the morning, and I, I was in a rush. So I just put the three minute highlights on, and as I said, I can't believe they fitted the seven goals into into three minutes. It was just unbelievable stuff. But Liverpool look like they are now got the bit between the teeth. They played Bournemouth this weekend as well, so yeah. we're expecting another few goals from them there. Time to load up in your fantasy team with your Mo Salas and your Darwins. Well, luckily enough, I had them both in last week. But um, but yeah, Ronnie, you've, you've got to be fearful now, mate, that they're yeah. going to... Yeah, and I've, I've said all year along that I think that they will they will start creeping up. I think... You have, will, you have for, said for, along, Liverpool, yeah. for Liverpool fans, uh, for Liverpool, I just think it's maybe not this one's now done. It's an amazing result against United. But I think Liverpool fans now, probably their only nerves is just around consistency because they know they can beat anyone if they turn up. But re- the reality this season is that there's been too many ups and downs. One good result and then, you know, they'll go and lose to someone that they historically wouldn't. Um, but I, I just look at them now and I think maybe they're just starting to get their players back as well. You know, that game the other day, Man United were absolutely atrocious, but you you could see that Liverpool looked like Liverpool of old. So Liverpool can do that against whoever they play against. And maybe they've just turned the corner at the right time of the season. At the beginning of the year, you'd, there was no way you probably wouldn't have said that Liverpool would be in the top four. So if they do finish in the top four, then that's, you know, even fourth was prob- is probably a disappointing season but that I think as a club them going forward it's it's massive that they finish in the top four because of the players that they're probably going to want to start signing in the summer um but they look good and um yeah I think that they they will if they continue like anywhere near that then yeah they'll take not just top four mate they could they could kick on and get third you know it only takes United to have a little bit of a blip I think I think the next four weeks are going to be huge in regard to that. If you look at their fixtures, they've got Bournemouth away this weekend, which you'd fancy them, obviously. Um, then they've got obviously Real Madrid Champions League, which will likely result in them just concentrating on the league after they've that. They've still got to play City um, as well, Skips. I don't know if you've, you're looking at that. Well, that's, that's, that's what I'm coming to. So then April is a shocker. So they've got City away, Chelsea away. So the next three league games are all away. Then they play Arsenal at home. Um, so they've got City, Chelsea, Liverpool over an eight-day period at the start of April. Then they've got three teams fighting for their lives. So they've got to go away to Leeds. Then they've got Forest at home. Then they're away at West Ham. And then at the end of the month, they play Spurs at home. So I think if Tottenham have a good month now and string a few wins together against them sides at the bottom, you would, even after that 7-0, you would think that Liverpool are going to drop points somewhere yeah. along the line over the next three or four games. So you'd fa- you'd fancy him at Chelsea, obviously, because of the year that Chelsea are having, but City and Arsenal, you wouldn't you wouldn't be betting your life on Liverpool at the moment. No, it all depends on who turns up. Mm. That's it. I think I think if Liverpool get anywhere near back to what they were, then I don't think any of them teams I think that they can go and get three points, for example, at Arsenal. Yeah. And City for me, just I was, I was speaking to a City fan yesterday, and I just don't think they're they're fully at it yet. Certainly defensively, no. Um, I just think that they're lacking something. And the City fan said to me, funnily enough, he said, "said you know what do you think about the Haaland thing? You know, he's I'm not doubting he's one of the best players in the world, but he said, yeah, with difference, we've adapted. We've not adapted that good to it yet. Maybe next season's the one." where we begin to, you know, which was a good way of looking at it. Yeah, but yeah. um but anyway, um that's a really good chat about Spurs, Ronnie. Enjoyed that, mate. Um so we, we we will do a bit on Everton, but I'm in a 
bit of a rush. I've got a meeting in the city. Mm, supposed to be going to. Um, but really disappointing. Everton last week. A draw away at Nottingham Forest in normal circumstances isn't too bad. Uh, Forest got a very good home record. But when you're winning a game twice and we're running out of games and... I'm at the stage, I said this last week, although people probably couldn't hear me, that I'm not even interested in all the results. Mark, who comes on this pod a bit, he, he messages me saying, oh, the results went for us there, you know, before Everton were playing Forest. And I was like, mate, I'm, I'm not even interested in looking at other teams because the other teams' results don't matter. If you're not winning. We, if yeah, you're not exactly, winning, yeah. Until we've got now 12 games left, we need to win five of them to get to, I think, well, 37 points. Are we on 22 now? I think we're on. Yeah, you're on 22, yeah. Yeah, so to get to 30. But Leeds, are, Leeds above you and the two teams below you, or actually everyone above you, up to up to Nottingham Forest and everyone below you, have got a game in hand on you. A game in hand, of course. So, so we need, let's just let's just say 37, 38 is still not guaranteed. So that's four wins and three or four draws and or five wins from 12 games for a team that's won five all season. I mean, we are, we needed to win that game against Forest and then I still wouldn't have gone, oh yeah, We've got a good chance now, but I would have thought, okay, well, let's go and beat Brentford next week, and then I'll start looking at the other teams' results. But until we can win a game, it's pointless. And I'm really, was really disappointed in the game itself. I was watching it going, change something, change something. And I know he's got a bad hand, Sean Dyche, and we definitely, without a question of a doubt, are better now than we were under Frank Lampard, although that wouldn't be hard. Getting more people in the box, we're committing more men forward. He's trying to get around the fact that we struggled to score goals. He played Damari Gray, finally, thank you. Um, it was a bit different. He was coming out wide and other people were pushing forward, Ducore notably. Um, obviously, he got a goal as well. Uh, Damari Gray took, um, took a penalty. We definitely look more of a threat. But on the other end of the pitch, he's playing Michael Keane and there's not one Everton fan who would have Michael Keane anywhere near our starting lineup. So that's on Sean Dyche. And if there was no alternative, then I'd get it. But Yeri Mina sat there on the bench. The irony is, is that Evertonians have been dying for a fit Yeri Mina for years. He's been on the bench for the last six games. He's not even coming on. Like, play the fella. Not only is he our best centre-half, he's also a threat from corners. He's a good personality. Something going on there. I don't know what it is. But there's no excuse. We're fighting for our lives. So if there is something going on in the background, I don't give a shit. With 20 minutes to go, we're two more up against Nottingham Forest. Take an honor off. It was absolutely dreadful. I think he had about 20 touches in the whole game. He was anonymous. Take the fella off and put Yeti Mina on or do something. Get some fresh legs on. Even Malpay at that point, he did nothing. His in-game management, I heard a stat the other day saying, apparently, Sean Dyche, made the lowest amount of subs last year in the whole league with Burnley. He's got form for not making a lot of subs. And in a five-sub match now, when other teams are bringing on fresh legs, Nottingham Forest made three subs last week on about the 50-odd minute mark. And, you know, you're like, mm, okay, it's fresh legs. The quality with Everton subs and, and the first team isn't that. Well, there is, a bit, there is a bit of a gap in some players. Tom Davis being an obvious one. But there's still players he can bring on to freshen freshen it up and just to shut up shop we're 2-1 up we need to win the game he just let it run away from us and then they scored and then they looked the more likely in the last 10 minutes and he made two subs on the 89th minute to try and see the game out and Tom Davis come on he must have just said go and foul everyone mate because that's all he did and 
I'm like, the game was there. That was on Sean Dice that last week for me. We're, we're two points off. Draws are not good enough no more. We need to win. I, I, you know, I know that this only ends one way. And um, we play Brentford this week. And, there's, you know, some fans are thinking that, oh, will we beat Brentford. We'll be in with a shout. Mate, Brentford, as I said, mate, have lost four games all season. But Ivan Tony's going to cause havoc up front. I don't know why he's still playing, by the way. I don't quite get that. Not that I've got any anything against anyone in League One throwing a 20 quid accumulator on the Premier League, which I understand is what he's done. But what's going to happen when he gets suspended? Are all the other teams going to go, well, hang on a sec. He's already said that he was guilty. So why was he playing against us when... Seems like his suspension will probably come right at the end of the league, right at the end of the season where... Maybe it won't be as you know, maybe, maybe. As but, but but aren't you going to be suspended for games, or is it going to be a timeline? It might be months, mightn't it? I can't maybe. remember. Who knows? Yeah, so. I don't know. You, you, you're only really hurting them if you do games rather than months. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, in in the interest of fairness, you you start his ban at the beginning of next season, don't you? And he's he's available for all the games this year. I think that's probably the fairest way to do it. Mm, yeah, probably. Um, but then for the from, players, from the so. integrity of the competition this year. Yeah, sorry, Skip, you just went went in and out there, mate. You sounded like um, the role yeah, again so from last week. Like from a, the integ- yeah, the, the integrity of the competition this year, you'd, you'd probably say that he should be available to play, shouldn't he? Um, and then start his ban in August or whatever. Um, I'm just having a look through your fixtures, mate, particularly at your home games. So, yeah, you've got Brentford at home. Um, your next home game's Tottenham in early April. Fulham, Newcastle. Man City and Bournemouth. So you've got some winnable home games there. I'd like to think that you could win three out of those six. Um, it's your away game Sorry, against the teams Skip, around you that are Wolves. Are you getting what, what's quite clear is that the way that Everton's season is going is that they need, they need to pull some wins out of the bag that they wouldn't generally win. So that that's what it's looking like, isn't it? So some of the games you've you, you've got a chance in, but you you've got a you might have to turn over a, a, a top sixteen mm. in this in this run. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. and, and you know the, we play Chelsea away next week. I mean, we we're not going to go. We haven't gone to these grounds and won for for years and years, and be very surprised if if it happens now. I mean, you look at Bournemouth last week. They I was watching the highlights of that game, and I'm like, God, they're tuning up here. I didn't know the score, you know, and I'm thinking. Imagine Everton going through and over Arsenal. It just wouldn't happen. Like and 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 you see other teams which are which are capable of of threatening teams, and we just don't. We just look all over the shot, mate. And we've definitely improved, but unfortunately, the games are running out, and the fixtures that we have got, our skips just gone through, um, aren't 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 the ones which which are going to keep us up. I don't think that the time to get rid of Frank Lampard was during the World Cup and those runner games we had um, Frank Lampard's day of execution if you like those were the games where we would have amassed enough points to stay up with Sean Dyche in charge and again it all boils down to the people who make the decisions yet again at Everton um, and we predicted it at the time me and Mark talk and we were like you know what's going to happen, don't you? They're going to give him these runner games, think that he's going to get a few wins. He won't. And then he's going to sack him towards the end of Jan. The January transfer window is going to be all over the shop because they're going to be looking for a manager, going to appoint someone with about three days left of the window. We said it. And that's exactly what happened. And you can't do all these things and expect to stay in the Premier League because it's 
amateurish. In fact, it's not even amateurish. It's borderline suicidal, mental, bloody home, bloody decision making. It's just atrocious. And unfortunately, I'm watching me me club um, crumble into the championship, which is very sad. But I'll still be watching it this weekend, mate. Cheering them on against Brentford, um, hoping hoping that. Um, and the irony is, mate, I'm looking at the game thinking we might get a penalty or we might get a sending off against us or something that might just go in our favours. And I look at that Forest game thinking, we got a pen. Maybe we get about two pens a year. And like we got one away from home against a team that we can drag into it. And then we got one, they equalised. Then we got another goal. Ducore scored, I said, didn't I? Get Ducore. And, and the thing is, Ducore made a mistake for the goal and gave the ball away. Um and it resulted in Forrest, and, and he got a bit of stick for it, and rightly so, because it was a it was an error. But Everton's players give the ball away all the time. It's just at that time, Nottingham Forest scored. There's plenty of times, honestly, mate, more times than usual where our our players the sloppy passes to straight to the opposition, and we get away with it. But the defending for it was terrible, mate. We're giving away bad goals, which I never expected under Sean Dyche. So yes. Ducore was a fault, but there could have been anyone else who gave the ball away in that game. Um, so it is what it is, mate. But yeah, sad times, mate. Sad times. But confident then. Uh, <laughs> mate, it's, um, Look, yeah, there's still loads yeah. of games to go, mate. There's still loads of games to go. Um, you know, there's still enough time for Everton to be able to pull this around. Um, but looking at your fixtures, some of them big games, you you've got to pull performances out against those big games really to give you and it's that's just one three points you know you need like you said four or five wins really don't you to to before the end of the season it's um, hard it's hard to get angry now Ronnie um mm. I'm running out of anger I'm, I'm more in, in sadness to be honest and but Dice has he's improved us mate but for me I've been a yeah. bit disappointed with well, his like, you, like you just said mate it's not the the nature of the game sometimes it's like you're two one up don't be reactive to the game. You know, put something in then and there that that stabilises the game for Everton, whether that was bring on another defender or bring on a more defensive midfielder or what that was when you're 2-1 up. was a good goal, that second goal, to be fair. I'd, I'd see the goal. Yeah, he took it first. well. It was a good goal. He's um, a decent player. That but, yeah, he looks good. But but you think to yourself, they're the moments where you make your money as a manager. That And that's what we just spoke about with Conte. It's not being reactive to the game. It's you're 2-1 up proactive approach now let's bring on a defender let's eke this win out because we're not always winning a game you know we're not always 2-1 up with 30 minutes to play so they're, they're the moments where you just think yeah and like you just said if he's not bringing on subs I'd like to know what his stats are for previous seasons because I bet he don't use a lot of st- subs mm. Um, mm. I think he, I think he's just <laughs> I don't know mate I'm just going to say the word he's not that adaptable We'll have to see. We thought it was going to be a four-four-two merchant because he played that for years. Um, he ended up playing four-five-one at Everton, which might suit us in some games, but I don't think it's going to suit us every game. He brought Ben Godfrey in at left back, which some fans have been crying out for. But Ben Godfrey, mate, is just a player who he's not that good on the ball. Um, he's quick and he's strong. Um, he's got he's got physical attributes to be a decent footballer, but he's just not that good a footballer. And and when you're the left back. Yeah, your positional sense has to be good. At um, that level. Yeah. And and Muldrick's uh, sorry, uh, Mikhailenko. Uh, Mikhailenko uh, Muldrick. <laughs> <laughs> Mikhailenko's maybe back this week and he might put him in. And I think I'd be tempted to just put the left 
the left footed in um, and see how we go. But I think he does need to change it. Mate, for me, Anana was terrible last week. I think he's he's playing the three of them. I think he can maybe just play two of them and maybe throw another forwards up alongside yeah. the Marty Gray, whether that be Ellis Sims in some games, whether that be Malpay in other games, uh, maybe a 4 2 3 1. May just maybe put a Wobi in the middle. There are options here he can do to to try and find ways for us to score goals. And I'd just like to see more of them, I think is what is, is where I am. Um but yeah, um Brentford at home, Chelsea away next week. I'd say we need four points to have any chance yeah. going into the international break. Um so yeah, sad times, mate, but it is what it is. Um yeah, so all the blues, mate. Let everyone who's doing the marches, good on you, and um, and please carry on because let's hope that let's hope that there's a, the slim chances of staying up and getting rid of the board. You never know, what might happen party time then. But we live in hope. So, skipper, mate, give us some good news, mate. How's Hull doing? Uh, we had a good result last week. Instead of the shit, we haven't won in four before that. But yeah, uh, beat West Brom at home last Friday night. Um, they, they battered us to be fair. They could have had four or five and they've had seventy percent possession on our on our patch as well. So um but yeah, bit of a bit of a smash and grab, took our chances. Um missing a couple, missing Aaron, missing Aaron Connolly. He's got an injury at the moment. Um but yeah, Carl Darlow on loan from Newcastle played really well in goal. So he got man of the match and managed to get three points. We go away at Coventry tomorrow. Um, which I managed to see the return fixture at our place when we were home in August and came away from that. We won 3-2, thinking Coventry were about as bad as it gets and probably going down. And now they've they've turned the corner. Uh, they've, they've had a really good run of games, last 10, 15 games. And they're, they're only three points off the playoffs now, Coventry. So it's not going to be an easy game this weekend. Um, but yeah, our, our running is shocking, mate. Like, we've got to go away to... We've got Burnley at home next week. We've got to go away at the likes of Blackburn, Middlesbrough, Luton, who are all in the playoff spots at the minute between now and the end of the season. So um, we're not going up, but we're not going down either. So I think it's um, just about getting through to the summer and seeing what we can do to strengthen the squad. But um, but yeah, certainly in much better shape than we were four or five months ago. Well, mate, don't complain about being in that steady, eddy middle of the table, not going up, not going down. Don't complain <laughs> about it, mate. I used no. to... <laughs> no, indeed. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for it. Neil was Neil was complaining about no Champions League football when he was when he was floating around <laughs> mid table, right? So <laughs> he's never happy. That's the joys of being a fan, mate. Especially an Everton fan. Joys an Everton fan don't usually go in the same sentence. Yeah, um, well, it doesn't seem that long ago that you won your first four games under Ancelotti, and then you uh, started talking about a title push. We were top. We were top of the charts as well, mate. We were top of the charts, weren't we? Number one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, that seems a long, long time ago. Anyway, um, I think that's about an hour, boys. So we'll uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, mm-hmm. Any any plans for the weekend, Ronnie? With Ross, I just seen him in the background there, mate. Is uh, yeah. going out and about, are we? I'll be uh, probably going out with him tomorrow night somewhere. No location decided yet. Guess where just the most uh, the most opportunity for Ross lays. That's probably where we'll be going. <laughs> nice. What about you, Skipper? Skip, I am intrigued as to what you are going to do. I think it's fascinating what Mr. Skipper's going to do with no alcohol, yeah, and no girlfriend, and the place himself. What are you going to do, mate? 
Well, he, uh, we won't say what game, he will be doing because it's not probably appropriate for a podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll be uh, no, I'll be going out with Ross and Ronnie tomorrow, but I'll be I'll be keeping it sober. Um, uh, but yeah, I'll be getting out of the house. Might do the beach this weekend. I think if the weather stays nice, and then yeah, uh, get the get the new bod out, mate. The new body out of the beach, that's it, mate. Oh man, I went <laughs> I went to gym with him the other day, and I still can't walk. <laughs> Ross goes to gym for like three hours, mate. It's like it's like a day's work. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, it feels um, like I've done a day's work on a farm, mate. No days <laughs> off. That's his attitude, mate. No days off. A bit like a bit of a, a removal for a week. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> right, boys. My phone hasn't stopped going. Anyway, so I have really got to go. Ronnie, mate, we'll yeah. catch up next week. Okay, uh, mate. I know we've got Paddy's Day booked in. Wednesday, mate, I'm going to do my best to, to come in and yeah, see you. Yeah, mate, on your it's, uh, it's, it's open to everyone, so it's not, um, yeah, not if you want to come, mate, on the Wednesday, come, but there's no no pressure. Great, and we'll get a podcast in, mate. Come on, you mighty blues. Give us three points. Give us a glimmer of hope. Up the toffees. <laughs> see you soon. <laughs>